audio storytelling has become increasingly popular, with many taking to the microphone to share their voices, opinions, and stories through the spoken word. But it isn't just about personal expression. Podcasting connects people, and it can be an outlet for those underserved or misrepresented by traditional media. I'm Meg Wilcox, and you're listening to the Community Podcast Initiative, or the CPI. And the goal of the CPI is to produce and promote podcasting as a way to amplify underrepresented voices through audio storytelling. The initiative is based out of Mount Royal University and powered by Shaw. For today's episode, I'm joined by Kyle Napier. Hi, Kyle. Hey, Meg. And so Kyle and I work together on a project based out of the CPI. It's called the Canadian Mountain Podcast. We oversee a team of research assistants who serve as hosts and producers for the show. And these students are all undergrads from MRU's journalism program. While we support them along the way, it's the students who pitch, research, prepare, record, host, and edit the episodes as a team, which gives them great hands-on learning experience in terms of all aspects of production. Though with the conditions of COVID-19, the very concepts behind hands-on learning have shifted significantly. The senior students on our team joined the project in the summer of 2020, just as everything was moving to remote learning. Audio production is an inherently in-person activity. It invites people to record their own stories in their own voice. But with remote recording as the only option, the team learned to conduct their planning, recording, editing, and collaborating remotely. As well, since the focus of the series is to weave Indigenous knowledge and academic research, it meant that students were learning how to develop these very relationships with the academics, guests, knowledge holders, and interviewees in an online-only environment. And it hasn't always been easy, but the team has, over the past two years, successfully released at least a dozen episodes remotely, and they've been streamed in more than a hundred countries. They've also worked collaboratively on research related to their podcasting work, which led to an article in JSource, as well as remote presentations at the university and beyond. And so, after two years of working with the Canadian Mountain Podcast, three of our senior students are graduating and leaving for new and exciting projects. That's Gabrielle Piska, Eric Tanner, and Ethan Ward, and they were the ones that joined the team in the summer of 2020. We sat down with the three of them to learn more about their experiences being part of this podcasting research team, what they've learned from working remotely, and what they will take away from the experience. So thank you so much for joining me. And uh, before we sort of get into the the meat and bones of the conversation today, I was wondering if we could just do a a round of introductions of who's here and we'll start with Kyle. Thank you, Meg. Sazi Kyle Napier Zillier, Tabachan Astor, Kulu, Ju Chu Don Shetronare Nastor. I'm really excited uh, to talk about the key learnings in the last few years uh, around the Canadian Mountain Podcast and the Canadian Mountain Network and your experiences here. So just appreciative to be an attentive and listening ear. Hello, uh, my name is Ethan Ward. I am a uh, fourth year journalism student here at Mount Royal University and I've been working with the Canadian Mountain Podcast for two years started right when COVID happened, basically. So been working throughout that whole time. And I don't know, that's just something for better or for worse. The beginning of COVID is just something I kind of relate to with this podcast. I'm Eric Tanner. I'm a fourth year journalism student here at Mount Royal University as well. 
and I've been working with the Canadian Mountain Network through the Canadian Mountain Podcast for the past two years. And yeah, much like Ethan said, it's been a predominantly online experience, but I think that's been essential into helping to navigate what a lot of the field has been turning into now. Yeah, hello, my name is uh, Gabrielle Pisca. I'm a fourth and final year journalism student. I, same as uh, Eric and Ethan, I've been on this podcast for two, two and a half years now. Um, and very similar to just what they both said, um, the podcast really associate that with COVID and online learning and stuff, but feeling connected in a team, even from remotely and far away. Wonderful. So I'm curious, and you've already kind of talked about the remote element, but how would you describe this RA-ship to someone outside of journalism or even, uh, you know, outside of the, the internship program? I would probably describe this RA-ship as something that's still working with your peers and with students, but really the first step to getting your foot out the door. So working with clients, working with uh, a different company and seeing the way that different um, methods of doing things kind of go about that way. Um, I think really just being able to work in a student environment and with students, but then seeing how things like podcasting can go above and beyond outside of the academic setting for me is how I would describe it. I think it could be like just by the name of it alone, Canadian Mountain Network, Canadian Mountain Podcast, you can just think it's going to be a podcast, you're diving straight in, that's all you're doing. But there's been a lot more of an uh, educational level to it than I probably would have anticipated. We've, we've had so many different opportunities to work with um, diverse knowledge holders, being able to get our feet wet in both talking in talking to sources in a, like Gabby said, a place with no real safety net as school will or university will usually give you in a manner that's like well supervised, but also not necessarily just uh, being left to your own intent and just run a podcast all day. So I'm curious uh, for everyone here, why did you agree to take the RA ship or why did you apply to be part of the team? If you can remember back that far. I think just at a really basic level, like you, we were, you asked me about it in class one day, like, would you be interested in doing this? And you talked a little bit about what, about what it was about. And you just mentioned like, yeah, it's, I mean, in the name, it's the Canadian mountain podcast. And I think just at a really basic level, one, I like spending time out in the mountains and talking about them. That sounded like a really good idea. And two, I just, I like, I like podcasting and I was like, you get to blend those two things together. So yeah, that was why I initially joined I, I guess it wasn't I wasn't thinking about uh, improving my skill set necessarily I was just like that sounds cool I kind of want to do that much like Ethan it kind of felt like a continuation of the podcasting class that you had offered to us in second year which at that point was the journalistic endeavor that I'd enjoyed the most I had so much fun going through the process learning it all by scratch and this almost seemed like another level to kind of bring to that where you'd be working a bit more in depth, perhaps doing a bit, a bit, a bit more frequently because we had only produced the one episode for your class and also really getting to know like the ins, so to say more so of publishing and kind of getting to know the trends in the industry and analytics, all the stuff along those lines. Yeah. So I wanted to join because when I first joined the journalism degree, I was very much into writing, writing. Um, and that was it. I wasn't very techie. I didn't want to do audio, video, anything like that. And then I went into your second year podcasting course and it kind of changed 
my whole mind about journalism, about journalism degree. I went into it wanting just to write and work for a news publication. And then I kind of fell in love with audio and fell in love with podcasting. Up until that point, I really only thought of podcasts as someone hanging out in their basement and talking into a mic about anything and everything that they wanted. And that was it. I didn't really see the journalistic side of it and the, the sources side of it and things like that and the relationships you build. And so I wanted to take this internship to kind of see how podcasting can go more than just a YouTube channel talking into the, into the void and really seeing how I could take my degree and, and go further on that. Mm -hmm. In the end, I guess we all did some podcasting from our basements, mostly because we were working remotely. But otherwise, yeah, all of that totally tracks. <laughs> So I'm curious, those first months, you know, we, we agreed to, we brought you on as part of the team and Blaze, you know, previously this was a team of one and we tried to create some opportunities for mentorship. It was a bit tricky with the overlap. There wasn't tons of overlap, but I'm wondering, what do you recall about when things started? You know, did you find that it was helpful to learn from Blaze? What were some of the things you were introduced to? And, I, and I'm curious, what were your memories of that or, or things that you learned or, or things that really stuck out? I remember when we first, I first met Blaze on a video conference. I remember thinking how cool he was, that he was just running this whole podcast thing as a student and making all these episodes. I think we were working on the episode where he was interviewing um, the mayor, the uh, mayor of Banff at the time, Mayor Swanson. And I'm like, this guy is just casually interviewing the mayor. Like, this guy is awesome. Um, and I think I felt a little bit intimidated because... Up until that point, I had interviewed a couple local people in Calgary, but really looking at it beyond the Calgary scope kind of intimidated me at first. But then when we started doing that planning and adding the email docs, a lot of what I had learned in journalism in the first two years almost started to go into like autoplay um, and just roll off the tongue and being able to take those skills and apply it into a real life setting and going, oh, okay, now I see where the steps come. I'm taking the skills that I learned and actually applying them for the first time. And I think that um, being able to be a part of the planning gave me a lot more comprehension and understanding of the process. I think if I had come in and everything in terms of planning and, and the base had been done, and then I was just filling in, I feel like I wouldn't have had the understanding that I do now. Uh, I could almost say that the mentorship basically went perfectly. Like I'd never met Blaze before. I'd seen him a couple times in between classes. I think that at one point we'd like said hi to each other as we were passing by, but he was just like Gabby said, he is so calm and cool and collective. Like no matter what he was doing, if we were having like issues trying to schedule to like him talking about like the queue line process that he went through, there were there was nothing that was intimidating this man. And that's kind of what showed me that it wasn't this huge mountain that I had to climb, uh, pun partially intended, where we had just the intimidation of going straight into this. It was, um, it was, it was really nice to see that a another student who I'd seen in the hallways, I'd like been basically acquainted with, um, was doing this as well. And that, you know, he was going through it. It didn't seem like it was bothering him that much. And that kind of eased the nerves on me at least. And then as he was walking through it, he explained it so well. And I, that was really what I kind of wanted to bring when we were introducing the newbies. So that was, like I had mentioned previously before, we started like kind of really close to the beginning of the COVID lockdowns. And this was the first time uh, 
actually having an experience of working in an online group like that. Now, like Gabby and Eric and you, we had like I had like all met you guys before. I knew who you were, but Blaze, like, I'm sure I saw him in person, uh, like you know, just in the journalism wing. But like, I never actually like met him in person. And I, you know, in journalism, in those first two years, I think a big thing that they tried to teach you and tried to push you to do was to go out and meet who you're talking and working with in person. Like I did all my interviews in person, and this was the first time for me having to work and get to know somebody in a completely online setting in a way, and like where I'm never gonna, well not ever, but probably like in the time we're working together, probably never gonna like get together and like have a discussion in person. And then that, that was like the first time I had done that, and then I just continued into the next year of not only the podcast, but just schooling in general. Like I haven't done an in-person interview in, in a long time. I haven't like, there's some people who I've worked with who like I've never met in person before. And so that was like, I guess just for me, it sticks out for me as being the first time where I had to get used to being okay with not physically seeing this person well, and as you point out, Ethan, everything had been taught for in-person and face-to-face. So everything that all three of you did in the podcasting class and learning how to record was meant to be in-person. And then I think back to those first episodes you made, you had to learn how to use, we used Squadcast for our remote interviews. You had to learn how to voice and do your recording at home. And so I'm really curious, not just about the remote work, but we can talk about that too. What do you remember about those first episodes that you made and you put together? Uh, maybe mistakes that still stick out for you or, or things that worked really well? Or Gabby almost grabbed her face at one point. So I, I feel like there might be a story there. Um, Meg, you... <laughs> The first episode that I ever hosted, I thought for about an hour that I had lost the audio and it was doomed (laughs) and it was not good. Um, So we'd used Squadcast and it was three guests, uh, one of which was Norma Cassie and she was in the Yukon and didn't have great connection. Um, It was hard to get a hold of her in the first place. Uh, So this was really like one time interview. Like it was once that was that was you didn't have another chance. And we had done the interview. I thought everything had gone good. But once I left the call and looked at the recording, only two of the three guest audios were there. And the third guest, it was just silent. There was nothing. And we figured out the issue. And I ended up getting the audio back because Squadcast backs up your backup, um, which was fine. But for the first hour, I think I remember calling Meg and I was like on the verge of tears. I was like, I'm going to get fired. This is it. My first episode ever. And I've butchered it. Like I'm, it's done. And so I think it was kind of scary learning technology because, you know, even in our program, we bring a recorder and then we bring batteries and extra batteries and an extra SD card and we have backup after backup after backup. But for technology like that, there's only so many backup things you can have. Like you can't just pull out your phone in case your recorder dies. You can't just um, pull out your laptop. It's, you can only rely on that technology. And if that technology fails, you're kind of done. Like you're kind of screwed. And so I think that it was intimidating at first to really have to rely on something that you normally don't rely on, which is technology in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got a positive and a negative, yeah. but I guess I'll start with the negative because those are always the most fun to listen to. Where, um, <laughs> yeah, similarly, when uh, Abby's episode had come out, I believe I was producing that one and I had gotten the audio back. And even though it was a backup, the audio had still sounded fairly clean. 
And so naturally, I thought going forward that, oh, that's the working remotely. The only issue that we're going to have to deal with is like Squadcast potentially having a server malfunction or something along those lines where it may not record someone or they may not have read the instructions properly and just set it up wrong, just like human error miscommunication. But um, I learned quite firsthand about that uh, working remotely also requires a good internet connection. So I believe for our second episode, we were interviewing a few individuals um, from the Northwest Territories. And there there's, was, I can't remember which guest it was, but one of our guests did not have access to Wi-Fi the day that we had our call. So we had our one of our researcher guests on there and me waiting until uh, we got a phone call last minute. And we were like, yeah just chatting, like asking when he's going to get on. And he thought that it was meant to be taken over the phone just because he didn't have any reliable internet access. So I think much like adapting to new software, it's also just being able to adapt on the fly where we, the second episode of the third season was done over Zoom instead of Squadcast. And one of the, one of our guests came and called in through a phone and I'm so thankful he was able to because some of his anecdotes were incredible and he easily carried the episode. But yeah, adapting it's it was a lot of adaption and you need to really be flexible when working online for better or for worse. But then again, when you're working online, you get to make some sick forts to try and muffle your audio better and <laughs> keep echoes out. So that's probably my best memory is setting up like a pillow fort like I was six again on my bed. That was that was a dream. So I, I did want to talk about COVID, and I feel like COVID's kind of peppered through all of this. We, we've already talked a bit more of like the technical challenges, but I'm curious about how this remote or what started as a remote internship or RA ship kind of fit into your online schooling and even just working through a pandemic. I'm wondering, um, was this a, a positive thing for you? Was it a, like an additional responsibility that was challenging? Was it something that gave you a sense of community and, and people to work with outside of your classes? I'm, was it, was it, I guess, was it good? Was it bad? Was it in between? What were the good, good or bad things? I could have reframed this question better, but I think you know where I'm going with it. Looking back at uh, like COVID and the whole this this whole uh, RA uh, opportunity, I, I don't know if this is the right word, but just with COVID and everything, it's going to make me. I'm going to look back on it uh, very wistfully, in the sense that there was a lot of things that could have been. Like uh, I remember when we first started, we were talking about like maybe we'd go out to like Banff or something, and we'd like try like doing uh, some audio stuff, uh, learning how to do like like interviews in different split places, like very like what we did when we went out to Morley last month. And I don't know, I think it was kind of like, uh, you know, when COVID passes over eventually, we'll, we're going to be doing that more. And like that was maybe initially the plan. And not like this, I think the overall, I, I share everybody's thoughts that this was a really great experience and I was glad that I did it. But like I said, it's going to be like kind of, a little wistful thinking like, man, could have, could have been a lot different. Yeah, I would, I would agree. There was a lot of stuff that could have been, but I think it was also kind of necessary to prepare us for what would just, I hate saying become the normal, what would become the normal though for the next like two years onwards where like for online classes, basically this, you could, if you looked at this 
uh, RA ship as an online class and treated it as such, you were so much more prepared for when we came back to Mount Royal in the fall and everyone was trying to struggle, trying to understand how like a Google Meet would work, for example. We've had so many opportunities and it also got us ready for interviewing online in particular, whether that be just talking to friends online, just getting acquainted with the how to keep like a positive mood and demeanor while you're online doing these remote interviews, keeping your voice proper, but also just for the work itself online, where I know I think almost all of us have done work online over the course for two years remotely. And this was an amazing step to just get acquainted with all of that. I'm pretty sure I could spend like two days talking about all the negatives that COVID has brought and in general and journalism and stuff. But the one thing in particular we're timing with this internship, it was kind of actually like a saving grace for me. Um, and I mean that just in the way that while the world was kind of shutting down, this was the one thing that was waking up. It was the one thing that, you know, we had, I had work, we were talking to so many different people and it, just exactly while everyone is kind of staying home and businesses were shutting down, we were able to adapt in a way that kept this going. And it was the one thing that was moving and still going while everything stopped. And I think that, you know, when we do things remotely, it's there, you lose things like um, meeting people in person and that personal connection, but you also get to meet people you would have never been able to meet if you were in person. Um, like we would have never been able to go to the Northwest Territories to interview people. We would have never, I think one interview, we had one person calling in from Australia, the other person from Kathmandu, Nepal. And that's not something you would have ever been able to do in person. And so I think that while the pandemic tore people apart, remote podcasting brought a range of different people together in a way that you would have never seen before. That was Gabrielle Piska, Eric Tanner, and Ethan Ward, three of the outgoing researchers and producers with the Canadian Mountain Podcast team. And so Kyle, I'm curious about your thoughts from the interview. What stood out? Well, the team had to learn to adapt. They ha had to adjust their own processes on the fly. So this came to working with um, emerging digital technologies or new versions of those digital technologies. So I was really impressed with their ability to keep up, um, particularly as COVID-19 put um, a bigger demand on um, the very <laughs> software development uh, teams uh, behind the programs that we're using to, to keep their technologies fresh. I mean, COVID-19 made digital production a very competitive um, space to be in for those that are creating the tools that the researchers were using. So not only did they keep up with those digital technologies, they managed and facilitated relationships um, from a distance. And so that was key for what we've just seen and heard from, from those uh, outgoing RAs, is that they would prefer, it seems to have uh, developed those relationships in person. I mean, that's what was foregone while recording remotely. And although the research assistants had the opportunity to interview and bring in global guests or guests from like northern and rural and remote uh, communities, particularly indigenous communities. Uh, they um, handled and adapted and worked with that with ease. So that was just something that uh, that that really um, emerged for me. Something else that emerged for me from this discussion was your role, Meg, in ensuring that those technologies um, were usable and from building this team um, from what had previously been uh, a team of one with, with just Blaze 
to um, to then bringing in uh, what seven folks we've had in this last season involved in, in the production of, of the Canadian Mountain Podcast. So just that level of of uh, of growing in the space has just been remarkable to see. And I think you know, from a coordination standpoint with so many people, it's been challenging. But the one thing that I really did want to create in this environment is an opportunity for students and coordinators to learn from each other. And it's hard to do that if you're only working with one or two people, you only learn one or two ways of doing things. And so what's been kind of wonderful is you talk about, you know, the students taking this on with Gusto. Uh, It was the students that decided we were going to use Squadcast as our software. I said, these are the four major ones that are happening right now. I'd like you to test them all and decide which one you think we can work with best and why. So it was an opportunity to get them to work and debate and discuss and actually create their system so they could understand it better and how they were going to use it. And, you know, as you know, trying to get seven people together for a meeting is not always easy, but I do think the opportunity for students to work in pairs on episodes and learn from each other was was definitely a, a benefit. But, you know, I think one of the inherent contradictions, Kyle, that you kind of pointed out is the importance of place in the Canadian Mountain Podcast, that we are literally tied to the land and the researchers are working on the land and we're learning about it. And, you know, on one hand, it's so important to be there physically and to build those relationships. It's ideal. On the other hand, uh, many of these interviews were happening remotely pre-COVID just because of geographic restrictions, right? If we can't get up to Yellowknife or we can't get to Kathmandu, we were trying to still speak to some of these researchers uh, in the best way possible. So I think it's always going to be a challenge, right? That there are opportunities that are opened up by the remote work, but how can we also make sure that we are as grounded in the land and place as possible because that's the heart of the podcast. That's brilliant. And then Right, we have the opportunity to hear perspectives which are not just um, within mountain systems connected across this continent. So, right where we hear from Nepalese um, mountain knowledge holders and scientists, or we hear from um, yeah those, those globally, and it's not just our, our the the echo chamber of even um, our linguistic barriers of English speaking folks that you'll most often find on this continent. But what are the insights, um, of, of those that typically aren't included in these conversations? And, you know, I also think about learning to develop these relationships remotely, learning how to use this equipment, this gear. And many of the students, as you know, they said, they're going to look back on this. What could have, what could it have been if we were in person? I stop and think also of, you know, Eric and Gabby pointing out that, uh, this is training that helped them figure out school for remote remote learning for that next year. It helped them figure out remote uh, work terms. Both of them worked remotely for their work terms. And whether or not we want to go back to how things had been prior, there's always going to be a better element of remote now. I think we know that that's going to happen. Um, and maybe being able to choose when you work remote, when you don't, but to know how to do it in a professional manner to make things sound good and to develop, develop those relationships is a really important skill set that I think all of our students are going to be expected to have when they leave their programs now. Any any last thoughts or anything else that, that stuck out? Well, I'd like to close with the closing thoughts that we heard from the interview, which is that despite all of the experiences, the challenges, uh, and the successes that came with those challenges in the last few years, there is a definite longing for togetherness and closeness and connection to the land. And so um, because of COVID and and the conditions that were brought about during the the pandemic, the podcast team, ourselves included, 
uh, had very rare opportunities to, to meet in person, and they were cherished. And I think that will be something that we at the Canadian Mount, Mountain Podcast will look forward to in, in, the, in the few years to come. Uh, are, are those opportunities to gather and to have soil under our feet and, and, and grass in our hands or rocks in our hands, uh, depending on how far up the mountain we are. Um, and so I look forward to, uh, to the shift of, of back to in-person uh, learning opportunities while still including um, remote and global voices. And I think that's really our goal for next year, right, is to figure out how we can balance both. How, how students can, you know, learn and get these opportunities and be in person while also acknowledging that some of this is still going to be remote. So how do we make sure students are comfortable with both gear? Uh, we now have this beautiful new podcasting studio at MRU where we can now welcome people from the community and interview in person, which is going to be so fantastic. But we also still have those mobile kits that we can go out into the field, literally and figuratively, and uh, interview people. And then, of course, there's always going to be the remote options too. So, you know, now I think our steps forward are... Uh, figuring out how we can have it all. Thank you so much, Kyle. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Meg, for inviting me. Uh, pleasure to share my perspective and voice. And that wraps up this episode of the Community Podcast Initiative. A special thanks to Gabrielle Piska, Eric Tanner, and Ethan Ward, and of course, to my co-host and co-coordinator, Kyle Napier. I'm Meg Wilcox. Thanks for listening. The Community Podcast Initiative is based out of Mount Royal University, which rests on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Sutina First Nation, and the Ayahe Nakoda, as well as the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. We're proud to be able to live, learn, and collaborate on this land as we work to bring together communities, perspectives, and stories. The CPI is powered by Shaw. You can learn more at thepodcaststudio.ca or find us on social media at CommunityPodYYC. YYC.